This is the Women's Football Talk podcast. Thank you for choosing to listen to us again. It's another busy weekend in the WSL. A couple of news stories to discuss from before and after the weekend. Anything stand out particularly to you this weekend? Uh, Jesus. Uh, it's a tough one. I think first thing that I can think of, Vivian Miedemar's goal, obviously. Her first goal back since December 2022. Uh, what a great finish it was, even if it did take a slight deflection. Yeah, I mean, it was the moment itself, which we will definitely discuss. I think in a weird way, I, women's football podcast, I know, but it did feel like I could. I mean, we could talk football in general in, in moments, so yeah, like because the FA Cup dominated this weekend for me. I couldn't keep my eyes off it. There was just moments after moments, magic of the cup and all that, you know. Just, and oh, until you saw the great. crowd trouble, <laughs> apart yeah, from right, the crowd trouble, well, uh, bloody Albion and Wolves fans, honestly, <laughs> and that silly Port Vale fan, which wasn't an FA Cup game uh, in their league. <laughs> no, one. Just... Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know what they all thought they were going to achieve in those moments, but that's so what we would we would cover extensively in a, an old podcast that we used to do, <laughs> but cover the WSL. Everything that happened. Is it me this weekend that while the moments were there, the games themselves, nothing particularly stood out really. It was straightforward business as usual for all the, the top three and everyone else really. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like one of them weekends where you kind of was like, Oh, could there have been an upset in one of the games? Like could one of the top three title challengers have lost? Um could there have been a big upsets uh, somewhere else across the league. We just it didn't happen. It was like you say, rather straightforward weekend for all the teams picking up the points that you're expected to pick up the points. Yeah, and I'll go in order really, just to make it easier for ourselves. A Friday night, Chelsea beat Brighton by three goals to nil. Saturday. Saturday. Oh yeah, it was Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> it was on Friday because it, it was late. It just made me think. Oh, it was a Friday night game in my head for some weird fucking <laughs> reason. Yeah, that was half five on uh, Saturday. <laughs> oh, do you know what it was? Maidstone took me out as well. <laughs> I, was, I was gone for that day. Oh, yeah, as well. <laughs> anyway, Saturday, Saturday evening, Chelsea beat Brighton by three goals to nil. It was a debut off the bench for a new signing that Chelsea had made in these last few days. My remote. Uh, I've gone now. See, this is what happens. <laughs> I just lose my head. Yeah. Myra Ramirez signed on Friday. I want to say that was. That definitely was Friday, wasn't it? Yeah. Friday. Yeah. And that was for, well, it was for a record transfer. Definitely a British transfer record. But with the add-ons that come with that, it potentially could be the world transfer record. Yeah. Um Good bit of business for Chelsea. Obviously, losing Sam Kerr to an ACL injury, able to get in a replacement in uh, the Colombian Ramirez. Uh, looked really well in a short time at Levante. Played 38 games, scored 22 goals in the league. And then before that, got uh, 14 goals in 16, uh, 64 games for Sporting Quavla. Uh Obviously, a lot of people saw her at the World Cup when uh, England played Colombia. And looks like a really good uh, forward. Yeah, interesting as well. I think you could talk about her. Levante 
days where perhaps and definitely did on in the videos you've you've done Alba Redondo was always the one talks about leading that Levante line where my Ramirez was just sort of underrated a little bit mm. in that team and yet now it's her that's got the big move and time will tell whether it works out because it's not going to happen straight away I could be very amazed if she figured in straight from the off and then also adapted well yeah I mean it will take a lot of time to adapt to the English game and um, get used to and settled in because obviously um, she's going to get game time in the league and uh, the other English Cup competitions, so the FA Cup and when Chelsea enter the knockout stages of the Conti Cup. But she won't be able to play, obviously, tonight in the cha- uh, Champions League for Chelsea because uh, you're not allowed to play new players uh, in the group stages only can be registered from the quarterfinals onwards. Yeah, I was going to say, she'd be then available for the knockouts because while she did play for Levante, she only played for them when they were in the preliminaries, which obviously then, yeah, same thing. Mm. (laughs) uh, To the game, again, straightforward almost for Chelsea, even though Brighton they had the moments but it was just Chelsea's intensity that proved to be the, the uh, win factor here. for it. <laughs> the, it's the definitely... main factor I was going to say, like, not on it this morning. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> uh, but Lauren, I don't want to hear who is on it, though. Lauren James, again, two goals to add to the name. And that first one, oh, my God. Like, What's a quality? Finish. I mean, I feel like... This has been us for the last three, four weeks on this podcast now. Lauren James scoring a goal. What a great goal it was. <laughs> like It's just becoming a running yeah. th- uh, theme of ours now. It really is. But... Well, most women's football podcasts, probably. Well, yeah. I mean, the way she's been balling out this season, absolutely unreal. 12 goals now in the league after this past weekend. <sighs> just what a season she's having. Yeah. One goal behind Bunny Shaw. As well, it's a hotly contested battle between them to for that mm-hmm. golden boot. It, yeah, I want it to keep going until the end, until they have to both fight out on the last day. And then Elizabeth Turland steals it because <laughs> 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 she, uh, she's on nine goals. <laughs> What's that, Rachel Daly coming up for the last furlong? <laughs> no, <laughs> I just, no, I just want join. Yeah, uh, no, it wasn't going to work. Thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would be. But after this weekend, it, it, it could happen. But she's she's getting the goals, but it's going to take a while to catch up with Shaw and James. Yeah, carry on. Speaking of Buddy Shaw, might as well go straight into Mad City. They would two 0 against Tottenham. Shaw scoring one of those goals more closely for this game yeah. which we're not used to between Tottenham and Man City it's usually Man City who come off the better and they've usually done it like getting a lot more goals uh, than I this. mean you just flick back to November when these two sides met and Man City won 7-0 but I feel like Tottenham now feel yeah. like they've got the style down defensively maybe they thought about this match a little bit more they've obviously brought new players in since Was it most of the defence now yeah. is just made up of new players well, uh, it was 50-50, so they had Charlie Grant and Amanda Nilden playing in the fullbacks, and then Amy Turner and Molly Bartrip as their centre-halves. Uh, 
So yeah, I they were two you new signings. Saw this, but I, think it, I can't remember if it was Barstreet who did it. Did you see that there was a pretty clear back pass <laughs> in this game? I, I hadn't seen that. No, no but I, I would check. I would ask people to check the highlights. They're all on YouTube. It looked the baby. Oh, she'd be hit it, but it's like whatever. That looks like a pass back. <laughs> it's, it was weird. I feel, I feel like in the women's game, pass backs don't get called. No, but Man City players just surrounded the ref, and I was, what the hell? Why was? How is that not <laughs> indirect free kick then? It's one of them yeah. where the pass back rule, like like I said, it it just it didn't look like one of those obvious like... miss kicks. That was the issue. Yeah. Even though it probably mm. but, was, uh, it was like a pass back to the goalie that went wrong. Yeah, uh, but for Man City though, getting that win, obviously uh, on the Saturday. Saturday, they announced that Jill Rod has uh, suffered an ACL injury and will be out for the foreseeable future. A uh, big loss for Man City, that, considering how well she settled into life in Manchester so far since her summer move from uh, Wolfsburg. It's a huge loss, like, given that they signed her to be the missing piece in that midfield and had a bit more creativity. And to lose her now is, is, is a big loss. And you know, I don't want to say we cursed Manchester City, but was it in the last podcast? It was either the last one or the one before we, we did talk about Man City. Oh, God, what happens if they get a major injury? It wasn't even 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, we, we I just remember, as soon as you said that, I was just like, oh, crap, we actually did mention that. We cursed them. Uh, sorry, not sorry, because <laughs> it's Manchester well, no, we City. We are sorry, because we potentially ruined the title race now. I mean, it's still on. It is. Like, it's still in it, obviously. <laughs> yeah, just saying it just. Like, I feel like if Shaw was to go down with an injury, that's then, like, alarm bells to really start ringing for Man City in that case. Yeah, but let's not no, wish that was definitely We wasn't. don't want any more injuries. <laughs> we, we wish no injuries on, on anyone. Like, ACL injuries are just the worst thing, really, in women's football. Uh, it's just a shame that another star name has gone down with this injury. Is this how it works, sadly? Yeah, like, Leah I mean, Williamson comes back from one, and now another one ends up getting ACL injuries. This is horrible. Yeah. But I don't like it. It's like an eye for an eye. It's an eye for an eye, an ACL for don't, an ACL. Don't, don't. Okay. Yeah, Nuko want that. They could put that as the tagline. <laughs> an ACL for an ACL, yeah. Better than the Glastonbury line. It is... Uh... <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I can't. I've never been to Glastonbury, but I obviously know the vibe. But it was just a, a weird comment. The last thing we need is to make football nice. Yeah. I'm not saying West Brom just... Wolves vibes, but I, <laughs> you know, I want some shithousery. I want an atmosphere, <laughs> not a party. Anyway, let's get back to the weekend's game, <laughs> shall we? We want to cover. Oh, so it's Tottenham were decent in this. Martha Thomas had the ball in the net at one point as well for what looked like a tight offside call in the highlights. But very close. Yeah, Tottenham they, they were better. They were a lot better in this game, I thought. And they're definitely getting there under Robert Villam. Yeah, looking really good now. And I think it's gonna be one of them where it takes them just this season to fully gauge what we expect from them under him and then Next season, maybe they'll kick on a bit more and look more rounded, potentially. Mm. And sticking 
well, moving on, st- stick with the other top three. Arsenal, they got their revenge. They beat Liverpool by two goals to nil. And as you said at the start, they provided probably the moment of the weekend. Viviana Miedemar scoring her first goal since she returned from her ACL injury last season. It was just a nice moment. Yeah. Great bit of build-up play from uh, Emily Fox to find yeah. Miedemar. Back. Emily Fox is low-key cooking. Been there like two minutes and is already a class right back. So good for her. And Mm. just just obviously talking on Miedemar, she's spoken in the post match. She obviously is getting back into the team. A comment afterwards was like, it feels like a long time coming. I've worked really hard for that. I feel like a different player. I feel so much more like me if that's her feeling like a different player that's worrying for the rest of the the league because i'm seeing the old Miedemar with goals like that yeah old pre-acl Miedemar was dangerous as hell but if this is a new Miedemar and she's kicking on again and she's gonna get back to that form wsl defenders be very very wary because yeah she's lethal and I think doing the, the documentaries well has always helped to open up a lot more, potentially, because you see in the Sky yeah, post-match cause... as well, she was very humorous in that. <laughs> it was a nice little, little joke when they asked her the question. Yeah, she seems to have like come out of her shell a bit more, it seems, over the last couple of months. And that, like, before, you wouldn't see her celebrating a goal uh, that often or show that much passion or be this like opening interviews but yeah it does seem like that documentary has helped open herself up to I've done the public eye in the sense of being more like uh, in the spotlight yeah, it, look, it's not necessarily a bad thing that she was the way she was maybe it's just not something that she was comfortable with not every footballer is going to be like you know comfortable with the media even if they are as trained as much as they are like that's you want everyone to be different. You don't want everyone to be the same. Exactly. Right. Uh, should we run through the rest of the results now through um, the weekend? Well, well, can do, but it's also obviously massive, massive game near the bottom of the table. Bristol City 1, West Ham 2. It's the Irons who came out with the victory. Big win that in the context of the relegation battle. Yeah, uh, we said it was a potential six-pointer and the points go in the favour of West Ham, Hanaka, Hiyashi and Vivian Asai with the goals uh, for West Ham. Amelie Thestrup did get one uh, just after half-time for Bristol City and you thought, wow, are they going to come out all guns blazing in the second half? But within a couple of minutes, Asai put West Ham back ahead and Bristol City then just couldn't get that second goal to try and earn a point from this one. Yeah, and like for Bristol City context, as huge as a win it was for West Ham, don't get me wrong, I, I'm not writing Bristol City off just yet though. I think we said maybe a couple of more losses and maybe it could be tough given their, how their end of season running looks. They've still got some fight about them though, and I think they will produce that as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, again, I've, we said before this period now are their winnable fixtures. So if they can pick up like one uh, a draw here and there and a potential win, then 
you can definitely uh, not write them off, especially if West Ham are also dropping points. But yeah, if the season keeps going on and they're not picking up points, then panic has to start uh, setting in at Bristol City if they're not picking up wins or West Ham are picking up more points than they are. Yeah, and for West Ham, yeah, sigh of relief. Bit of a breathing room now. Obviously, three points clear of Bristol City, who are bottom of the table now. Rounds get it's only a second, not only a second win in charge of West Ham, it's only like a second win as a manager in 21 league games. Really? Yeah, because remember when she got sacked with Spurs, it was that long winless run, wasn't it? Yeah. And then obviously only won two games now with West Ham, so it's, you you feel for her a little bit. (laughs) Mm. Of course, West Ham's first win since the second game of the season. Big bit of relief for all. Everyone on West Ham's side. Yeah, and unfortunately we didn't see like Lisa Evans' revenge mission. Because while well, she did come on off the bench, she didn't get a goal, unfortunately. <laughs> I think low-key was like, mm, some drama potential here. <laughs> didn't happen, yeah. unfortunately. We were let down. <laughs> we were let down. Do you know where else I was let down? I'm going to say the lunchtime kickoff on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I did. Uh, Manchester United 2, Aston Villa 1. Nikita Paris came through for Manchester United with another top performance. You really do wonder why she isn't starting more. I mean, honestly, I have no idea. But having an absolutely uh, fantastic season for Manchester United. um, Here we go. 14 games, 13 goals uh, this season for Nikita Paris, which is... Absolutely fantastic uh, set of form it's, that she's in. Yeah, it's amazing form when even more so by the fact that yeah, she hasn't started as many games out of that run as well. She's mainly only really started in the Conti Cup matches as well. Yeah. Which I guess helps in that with that tally a little bit. But to the, the game, United, they got back on track. It seemed eased the pressure on Mark Skinner, who was obviously under a bit of turmoil, fan base sections of the fan base are trying to obviously they want him out but this game just eases it slightly it doesn't, it doesn't go away because come on you always beat Villa <laughs> let's, let's oh, be yeah. honest I mean it, it's one of them where like yes you've got the victory and the three points but has it actually re- uh, relieved any pressure on Mark Skinner I don't think it has like it's them they're the type could almost like, make the case that actually we probably could have got back into it in the second half. He got the Rachel Daly penalty where she scores and then, you know, chances are there in the second half. Earps had to make a good save at one point. The opportunities were there to, to lose it. Yeah, United. very worrying. And considering uh, United's home form this season, uh, they've only picked up eight points now from their six games compared to their away form where they've got 13 points from the six games. It is an, it's one of them where... I was a bit worried seeing the rest of that game through. Like, oh gosh, are Villa going to get back into us because of how poor United have been at home? Yeah, and there's also, for a Villa standpoint, it's it's one of those, like, you you could see it, but it's just not actually happening. They're not producing enough from, I guess, the opportunities. They do get a lot of reliance on Roger Daly again to, to score goals. You want other players to try and step in with... One or two here and there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rachel Daly now in the league has got 
six of Aston Villa's goals this season and that's nearly half of Aston Villa's goals. Like They've scored 14 goals in the WSR this season. The fact that Rachel Daly is the top scorer with six is very worrying considering how well the team were doing last season. And yes, again, they were heavily reliant on Daly as she ended up winning the golden boot. But you could see at times last season where some of the other goals were coming from where this season it's like if Rachel Daly doesn't score Villa don't have a chance to score yeah it's I guess it's just trying to try to figure a way out but it's tougher against yeah the quality of opposition that United do still have even if it's not what they have been in the past but Mm. while we are on the topic of Manchester United and Aston Villa. I think now, even though there's still one more WSL game to talk about, but we'll get to that. Now has to, we have to talk about Conti Cup drama <laughs> because, oh boy, did it kick off between now and last week's podcast. So just for context, if somehow you hadn't seen this, Villa started all this in their Conti Cup win over Sunderland by playing Noel Maritz, who should have been ineligible given that she's played for Arsenal in the Cup this season. Twice, in fact. Yes. And, you know, uh, from the aftermath of that, it was an expectation that Villa would receive a punishment, with a lot of talk of that being they could even be thrown out of the competition given that it happened to Reading less than 10 years ago. But uh, yesterday, we found out the judgment from all of this, and Villa were only given a three-point deduction which is basically the three points from that Sunderland match and because of that it created a whole lot of chaos and (laughs) yeah it just produced the usual Conti Cup drama in the most Conti Cup way possible so because of that uh, Sunderland went through as top of group A Villa go through in second place and Manchester United miss out uh, and qualifying for the knockout stages of the Conti Cup despite finishing on the same points as Aston Villa. We should say it was it's decided through points per game. So the best two teams in that set were Villa and then it was Tottenham. Yes, so Tottenham also progressed as well. So the teams that are in the quarterfinals are London City, Lionesses, Brighton, Tottenham, Chelsea, Sunderland, Man City, Aston Villa and Arsenal. And then obviously uh, we had the draw for the quarterfinals uh, made after that. But yeah, it seemed a very strange situation. No one, before the uh, statement came out yesterday, no one knew what was expected to happen uh, with Aston Villa. As case and what is going to happen now in the sense of like uh, going forward what are the plans going to be like for the Conti Cup it's all the drama Mick I just love it <laughs> that's what it is oh, lost on Sunday oh yeah who, who are the real winners here <laughs> come on <laughs> no, uh, honestly, taking off the claret and blue hat for a second I understand all the arguments that I saw on Twitter, you stated, but there were definitely most most people were right. There was reasons for everything, but the rules are the rules. They went around enough. It was there was nothing in the rules that suggested being thrown out. The competition that obviously must have changed in the last nine years in regard to the women's game. But to me, all of this 
that's happening. It just points out further that there's flaws within the competition whenever it goes awry. Part of that, yeah. is, part of that is the joy of the cup itself. You could say the magic of the cup, but it doesn't have the, the shocks in that way. But anyway, like, deciding your points per game to me brings up a hell of a lot of issues. And you know, if you go and take the extreme measure, like throw us out, you're setting a heavy precedent. Yeah, it's one of them. You're like, there needs to be some sort of like clear and obvious way. Like, if we're going to clear have... and obvious, you say. <laughs> If we're going to have, say, like the best performing teams, like point, so like Durham could have potentially have gone through if Aston Villa or would have gone through if Aston Villa had gone, uh, got thrown out despite having less points than Manchester United on a points per game basis, which seems like a really strange way to do it. For me, it's one of them where that shouldn't ever be a case. Like, I know there's what five groups and then you get um Chelsea get added into it because obviously um they're in the group stages of the co- uh, of the Champions League so that's why they don't play until the knockout stages of the Conti Cup like on a whole it's just a very strange like competition how it's ran yeah it's one of those things where if you just tweak the format it could still be viable I've seen courses where well, could you scrap the whole thing entirely but like I wouldn't be against that personally because I think it's good in terms of trying to, you know, decrease the gap between your championship sides and your WSL sides as well. Hmm. I said, like, what's wrong with just making it like the FA Cup? Um, what I was going to say is, like, in the men's game, you've got um, the FA Cup and the Carling Cup, and they're both straight knockout uh, competitions. Why couldn't it just be something like that? Because I feel like it's really weird that like uh all these teams have to play like three or four games uh in the group stages and yet chelsea because they're in the group stages of the champions league they can just skip and go yeah we're automatically uh in the quarterfinals and i feel like that's just such a bad way to do it because a team that have been playing really well in their uh group end up finishing second but not make it through because of uh, something silly like that, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't get rid of the competition, but I think like a rejig or rethink of it is something that needs to happen because you, you can't be going on and wanting to grow the women's game and having incidents like this throw, thrown up. Like it should be um, allowed that players can play for more than one club in a season. Obviously, you've got that one where you can't play for three different clubs. Uh, that's a FIFA ruling. Not an FA ruling, but that makes sense. Uh, like that one does, yeah. Me. But if you if a player's moved in, say like she, with Noel Merritt, say she had only played in those two Conti Cup games for uh, Arsenal uh, all season, like why should that um, harbour Aston Villa if they think she's the best player that they've got in that position? Then she should be able to play. Um, so I think there are some things that needs looking at whether Nuko do that when they come in next season obviously remains to be seen. I was going to say that, that competition would possibly come under their jurisdiction or is that still going to be an FA thing? I don't think that's been fully made clear. 
I wish I knew. I don't know whether they're just going to be controlling their WSL on the chat. That's what I was, was thinking. Yeah. I think this one maybe is still on the FA, but it's something to, to work out. You said the quarterfinal draw had happened, and I'll just run through those games. So Arsenal were drawn against London City Lionesses. We're having a, a rematch of the weekend's fixture Tottenham versus Manchester City. Brighton are playing Aston Villa, and Chelsea playing Sunderland. So. I mean, a strong chance of the top three getting through, potentially. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The likelihood of an upset happening, very slim in uh, those games. Probably the one to keep an eye on is Brighton, Aston Villa, in terms of what I'd, you'd expect for a closeness battle. Yeah. I know someone who probably won't be watching. That's Mark Skinner. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> If there's one thing we could all agree on in this, it's that if this has made Mark Skinner upset, then I'm all for it. Exactly. Wasn't it like I'm 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 speculating here, but wasn't it even if we did get kicked out, wouldn't it still have been they still would have got knocked out anyway because Durham had a better points per game than them. Yeah. So I don't know why they're all complaining like you've got to give us a spot. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. It's sorry. <laughs> it's just, just I mean, very it's... strange. Yeah. I just I hated that comment where he said we've got to find a way to make this make it work for us. No? Why don't you just beat mm. Man City? Play better. Win your games. Yeah. It's a fair game. You didn't beat Manchester City to get the points that you needed, that's it. Stop pushing the blame on to others, put it on yourself. Yeah, I think he did that as well. In oh, it was another comment in the man. I can't remember. I heard it in the podcast. It, they said he'd made another comment, but anyway, I think I just start get drawn off with Mark Skinner talk at this point. Yes, just get rid of that man, so we never have to talk about him again. <laughs> You're like secretly for the listeners. Like my my colleague here is begging to do a video on Mark Skinner. <laughs> Just hurry up and sack him or announce that he's leaving at the end of the season, Man United. <laughs> he's ready. Yeah. He's ready he's, to do that video. We are now going to have a look at this week's Champions League fixtures. Tonight and tomorrow are the final set of group stage games in this season's competition. And tonight's action is where most of the eyes will be this week because we have the conclusion of Group D and Group C. Uh, in Group D, Chelsea are already through, but the second place between BK Hacken and Paris FC is still up for grabs. And in Group C, all four teams can still go through. So having a look at the fixtures, we have Real Madrid versus BK Hacken, Paris FC versus Chelsea. They are your early kickoffs at quarter to six UK time. And then the 8 p.m. kickoffs, you have Bayern Munich PSG and Ajax versus AS Roma. I am so here for this drama tonight. We we will be there. We will be yeah. there as, uh, yeah, I can't wait till I, I will be seated for <laughs> dinner watching, I believe yes. it's the Group D ones first. Uh, no. Yes, sorry. Group D first and then Group C. Yeah, I'll be there. Don't want to say I'm all in on Paris FC for, for balance, but secretly. <laughs> we we are all Paris FC. Hey, 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 if I can go through, then that that's just as great a story as well, given their season. They don't, like, like SK Bratton, 
they also like are completely out of season. These are the only games that they're playing. So it's a lot mm. more work for them to be ready for these kind of quality matchups. Yeah, and full credit to them for uh, bringing us down to this late period in the Champions League. Like you say, not playing matches regularly compared to what Paris FC, Chelsea and Real Madrid are doing in their group. It does take each toll because you're not uh, having those regular minutes. But having a look at Group D as it stands, Chelsea on top with 11 points, BK Hacken in second on eight points, Chelsea, um, sorry, Paris FC on third with seven points and Real Madrid bottom on one point. So for Real Madrid, they've got nothing to play for, but Paris FC and BK Hacken is where it's at. Goal difference as well could become a factor because BK Hackens is zero at the minute where Paris FC has a negative two goal difference. So Paris FC would yeah. be hoping Chelsea take it lightly on them. Yeah, but I think I've seen something beforehand. Chelsea actually, because Emma Hayes talked about last week's being boring, I think there's just a case that they don't, they don't want that this time. They're actually coming to end just on a high. So mm. unfortunately, that Paris FC, but that's not to say you can roll them out completely. I think on paper, maybe you would look at Hacken, maybe maybe just having the advantage because Real Madrid just haven't been great at all when we spoke about that in the last podcast. Yeah, I mean, going back to the earlier game between the two sides, BK Hacken did beat Real Madrid by 2-1 and uh, Chelsea beat Paris FC 4-1 in the previous meetings uh, of the sides earlier on this season. So there is that, but will um, BK Hacken and Paris FC be going full guns blazing, trying to get that last spot uh, in the quarterfinals? Uh, obviously will be very interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, you would think so. You'd, 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 yeah, you would. And then for Group C as well, it's if none of these teams aren't going for full guns blazing, then what are we doing? Because all yes. four of them can still qualify. <laughs> like This could be the maddest 90 minutes in two games in the history of the Women's Champions League. Like I don't think since it's been uh, reformatted that there's been a group that's uh, gone to the final day where all four teams can go through. It's just perfect of what this group was. It's what you want from a group of deaf. You want them all to be so close to one another that it's still so they've all like switched in terms of results. Yeah. It's like not one team has just cleared the way. PSG mm. started terribly and now they're probably in the best position to go through. Well, currently sitting top of the group, nine points, and they have the plus two goal difference. Ajax in second, seven points minus two goal difference, and then by Munich and Roma, uh, third and fourth respectively, and their goal difference is zero, so anything can happen. Yeah, and it's made interesting. So the games, it's Ajax facing Roma and Bayern facing PSG. It's must-win for Bayern, but even that won't guarantee a spot if Ajax beat Roma. Uh, goal difference would do. Because Ajax would go top on 10 points, and then uh, if Bayern beat PSG, they'd both be on 9 points. So uh, that's, if... then, that's then saying that Bayern you know, get a free goal three. win. Yeah. over PSG and that hasn't really happened in this group. They've all been pretty close matches. 
Yeah, so it's one of them where got like a free goal win for Bayern is needed if Ajax yeah. are to win tonight. I, I'm looking through those results from these group games as well. There hasn't been a match that has ended in a bigger like bigger goal fashion than two. Yeah, so, yeah, that's why the like until the games when PSG beat Ajax the other week, like that's why uh, heading into match week five, they were all on the same goal difference of zero, if I remember correctly. Like it's just been such a close, close uh, group and too close to even call as to who's going to go through. It's too close to call, but I am going to ask for your predictions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll God. give mine. I'm Don't gonna... worry. I'm going to say PSG and Roma go through. Roma? Oh. Do you know what? Yeah. Fair play if Roma do get through this. I'm going to... I'm going to stick with the current top two. I think Ajax do beat Roma. And then PSG okay. just about beat Bayern. Or draw, I mean, maybe. I'm, I'm not 100% certain if PSG win or Bayern draw. I, I, yeah, I think, I think Bayern PSG ends in a draw, so it's then PSG and Ajax still that go through. Well, okay, that's our predictions. I mean, for us, we've got eight hours exactly until kickoff. So Group D there. That's, uh, I don't see it changing. I see Because I think Hacken, like, yeah. Like Chelsea even if Hacken lost, I don't think Paris FC. Yeah, I'll be in Chelsea. Sorry, Paris. But uh, if Paris FC quick... here, I, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then looking at tomorrow's games, uh, the early games we have Leon versus Slavia Praha and SK Brown versus SKN Saint Polten. So that is uh, all sorted in Group B, although. Braun? No, they can't finish top. They would have to no, have a sorry, crazy like goal difference. <laughs> 19 goals separate Leon yeah. and Bran in the goal difference. I don't think they're going to do it. Exactly. And similar with uh, Group A, Barcelona are top as they take on Benfica and then Frankfurt versus Rosengard is the other game. So, yeah. Little uh, less exciting in tomorrow's action compared to what we have on at stake uh, for us tonight. Yeah, and other than that, I do think that is pretty much all that we could cover in terms of actual football and actual off-field stuff. I think there's one thing we actually didn't mention. It was deadline day stuff. That is tomorrow, well, I want to say. Yeah. Wednesday, uh, the 31st. Rather quiet window, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's understandable. Like, teams don't really want to do the business in January. There is one thing that's being talked about, Man City being linked to Aston Villa's Laura Blind killed a Brown. I think that's an interesting one. If they see her as a long-term replacement while Jill Roard is out, it's an interesting one. I, I personally, as, as I've seen Blind killed a Brown in action, there's a good player there. But it's one that uh, she, she has high potential. It's whether she reaches it or not. I haven't been blown away it's not lauren james like standard but nobody's lauren james standard that's just what we do now with all the young players it's like well, are you that good 
or are you are you okay? I think she's in the okay bracket at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, she's still developing a young blossom of a flower, and she's not fully grown. That was a very weird analogy. Yeah, I did, even you were like, "Sorry, what I have am I?" No idea about? where that started and where that was going at all. I <laughs> I didn't think about it. Words just came out of my mouth then. <laughs> um, I don't think I just do think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've just realized we didn't even talk about Leicester and Everton. <laughs> you said we was going to go back to me. I mean, did anything happen? Leicester actually won a match. That's all that happened. Yeah. Give them their moment. <laughs> and they have made a signing, actually, in Emilia Palgander. Uh, the Swedish midfielders joined on a three and a half year deal. Robert Villahum is somewhere going, damn them. <laughs> yes. Um, Speaking of the deals, before we finish, uh, Arsenal announced the signing of goalkeeper Sarah Bohardi on a short-term deal, which had been reported for weeks, uh, that she was going to sign as Sabrina D'Angelo is going to head off to the Gold Cup with Canada uh, next month, I believe it is. So Bohardi, who was a free agent, has signed for the rest of the season. Um, Manchester City... And also, just to add a point on that, sounds like Zinsberger isn't going anywhere anytime soon obviously she signed the contract but she you know she's not done at arsenal i'd read the interview she did with emma sanders for bbc sport so you can understand maybe why arsenal were not quick to go and sign someone more long term yes uh, speaking of manchester city and transfers dana castellianos dana castellianos uh has left the club and headed over i, to I believe the... it's janos castellianos castellianos it's the double l thing uh, has headed over to the NWSL. Well, like me to tell you how to pronounce names. I know, that's a rarity. Uh, she's headed over to the NWSL and joined Bay FC, uh, who are about to embark on their inaugural season. Uh, Aki Beaver Jones signed a new contract with Chelsea until 2026 with the option of a further year. Uh, and Arsenal loaned out Gio Kiros uh, to Madrid CFF over in Spain for the rest of this season. Um, if you want to keep up to date with all the transfers and contract extensions that happen uh, on deadline day and anything else that happens today, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram, Women's Football Talk on both, and you'll see the news as it as and when it happens. Yes, and as I think I said, that is pretty much all that we can we could cover for this week in women's football and. As we said, we'll probably be active again on the YouTube channel this week. Maybe a vid. We'll go out there. We'll be active on Substack. I'll let you. Where, where could they get all that? Yeah. So our YouTube channel is Women's Football Talk. So we will have reaction to the Champions League uh, final group stages and any and look at any of the transfer deals that go through. And for articles, uh, Women's Football Talk is the website where we'll have plenty of articles out uh, this week regarding transfers and what to look forward to in, at the weekend and whatever else Brad has in mind. I never know what I have in mind. It just happens. We are we are a platform that just does things. Mm. Right. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We'll be back next week to talk all things WSL again and any other big news stories that come out of the world of women's football. In the meantime, 
if if it's anything like the last week that happened after the last podcast, then yeah, yeah, <laughs> there'll be enough to cover again. Exactly. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And in the meantime, we'll see you soon.